Welcome to the Grief Cocoon podcast, where you'll hear open, honest, and thoughtful conversations on grief and loss, death and life. I'm Gabby, your host, and I talk to different people about their experiences, how they've transformed grief and loss, and how you can too. This episode was recorded on the lands of the Bunurung and Woiwurrung Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging and extend that respect to any First Nations people listening today. In this episode, I speak to Tabani Chuma, who is a Zimbabwean writer and performance poet. We have a really amazing discussion about things related to addiction and its connection to loss. And we also talk about the grief that comes with migration. And he finishes off with sharing a poem of his that's really amazing so please um, listen to the end before you hear the episode i just wanted to give a quick apology for the sound quality on my end i couldn't get my microphone to work for some reason before we recorded and so it's a little bit more unclear on my end but i hope that you can stick it out and listen to the awesome insights and perspective that tabani brings enjoy might start with um, asking, can you tell me a bit about yourself and the work that, the creative work that you do? It's always a hard one because I'm like, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I am a writer, poet, performer, um, and it's interesting because they all, they all intersect, but I, I see them separately, like even though not not all my writing is poetry and not all my poetry is performance um but they all kind of play together in the same realm Hmm. um yeah that's that's me well that's a part of me (laughs) it's part of what i do and i know that you have like explored grief in your poetry and you've explored other really interesting topics and um one is even addiction you i was interested to know like whether i guess we're just heading straight in but like whether you have seen a connection between addiction and loss and grief 100 percent. i mean on kind of the most obvious level there is like the mortality rate of people who experience addiction um i remember because i went through a rehab center and like when we were leaving or like graduating (laughs) when we were done with treatment um one of our counselors kind of joked that like oh the first thing you should do is buy a suit because you're going to be going to a lot of funerals <laughs> oh and it's it's one of those like bring you into the reality of the situation it's like mm-hmm. yes this is you've finished your treatment this is good but don't like forget the severity of the situation that you are in and the reality of the experience and it's like that's that's just the truth like i feel like since coming into recovery i know 
at least two people who have passed away like every year it's like literally just a common thread um some of them like super close some of them like acquaintances but it's yeah there's no separating that it's like where there is addiction there is inevitably loss which just comes with the territory but is something to be mindful for and something that kind of brings that sense of gratitude for life it's like what are what are we gonna do with like the new lease on life that we've been given and i think an aspect that's not as commonly talked about is kind of the the grief of self and i think for me that's the one that comes up the most because like tabani and addiction and tabani now are two completely different people which is it's always like strange to me because it's like living two different lives mm. and like if people would meet me now um cuz i've been sober for like uh six and a bit years now if people meet me now the and i can like i can tell stories of like the old me and people are just like no that that's there's there's no correlation that can't, that can't have been you and a large part of recovery is kind of letting go of that person that you used to be or rather the person that you thought you had to be um cuz i largely see addiction as like a coping mechanism for life um and a coping mechanism for self it's like i i thought i needed to do this in order to get through the day mm. and then recovery is kind of letting go of all those parts of yourself um and creating new ones discovering rediscovering new ones there's a nice like saying of like they call it recovery because like you are recovering mm. the authentic self that you are it's like it was it was never it was never gone like it was always there but you just need to recover that um and mm. bring that back which i think is beautiful <laughs> yeah wow i haven't heard that before actually uh yeah i think it sort of feels when i hear recovery it kind of sometimes feels like an end point but it's mm-hmm. sort of it's really an ongoing thing you know it's mm, not yeah. a destination it's like a it's yeah it's a journey <laughs> journey <Yeah. laughs> kind of like grief non-linear <laughs> and yeah it comes in waves <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I was wondering like what do you think is misunderstood in terms of addiction and 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 also like the loss that's associated with that. Mm, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like the thing that jumps to mind the most is kind of that idea of moralizing and you know saying that 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 loss or even addiction itself can be good or bad 
I mean, yes, they are contextual variables that need to be taken into account and accountability that needs to be had. Um, but I feel like at the core, like it's that idea of loss um, being a part of life. Hmm. It's like, it's not, it's never, well, sometimes it is, but it's, it's usually not personal. It's like, it's something that will happen to all of us inevitably it's like life is finite at some point we will all lose someone we care about and we will lose ourselves at some point and i think you know it parallels to addiction in that way of so many people are doing things let's it's like back to the idea of addiction as a coping mechanism it's like we're all coping in a different way and it's rather to like brush stroke these are the good coping mechanisms these are the bad coping mechanisms i think it's uh, more prudent to just look at them all as coping mechanisms and there are consequences it's like more of rather than a moral approach more um action reaction approach it's like do this this will happen these are the consequences of action um rather than this is an inherently bad action or this is an inherently good action it's like they they're just actions and actions have responses reactions and consequences mm. um and looking at how how we can deal with those and which ones of those we are prepared to live with. Mm, yeah. And did you find that, I guess, I'm guessing like people around you might've known that you were going through recovery or dealing with addiction. Was it, was there a stigma that made it harder for you to deal with um, the, the loss that was part of that or the kind of um i hope that makes sense like mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i think because then it's it like speaks to broader issues around like um mental health and stigma around mental health and i think they a lot of it stems from just like a misunderstanding or a lack of information because like i come from zimbabwe and the the culture there doesn't have as as rounded a like a an understanding of mental health so i think that was definitely a factor <laughs> that played into it but also kind of the the social norms um and being being young <laughs> It's like to to stop partying and stop drinking when you're young. That's mm -hmm. like people are like what else? What else are you gonna do? <laughs> um, it's I feel like it's so it's so normalized as part of like youth and just part of being a young person to kind of like step away from that. I definitely found it very challenging. It's like okay, where where are the spaces where I can kind of safely 
have a good time. And I guess, yeah, just it's because the journey for me, like, meant a complete overhaul of life. So there was, you know, a lot of loss of friendships as well. And it's like, how, how do you tell someone that like, you're, you're not a bad person, but being around you is not good for me and make that not seem like they're a bad person. Yeah. Um, it's like, how do you kind of separate that and have those difficult conversations? I feel like that was one of the hardest parts for me is like trying to explain that and to separate that and be like this it's not about you but like for for me and for like my safety and for my growth and for my recovery i can no longer be in this friendship because you know we the lifestyles that we were living are not aligned um yeah does that answer the question <laughs> yeah 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 you kind of touched on the losses that yeah not only like um, yeah the losses that come through from addiction but the losses that come mm. in recovery <laughs> as well you know um because in order to like grow and to stay um, sober and to be the person you want to be you have to sort of let go of the some of the past connections that you have like did you feel like there was a period of grieving those relationships or yeah how did you deal with that um definitely i feel like i'm still grieving those relationships like <laughs> six plus years on and i don't think it's something that ever really goes away and i feel like that's that applies for all kinds of grief i feel like it's something that stays with me and becomes a part of me because it kind of is like shy of a complete memory wipe <laughs> it's impossible to kind of remove those parts of your life completely it's like a song comes on and you're like oh I remember that time <laughs> you know a movie comes on and you're like oh I watched that movie with this person um there's just so many like memory associations with people and I don't know I feel like everyone who's been in my life has either like directly or indirectly contributed to the person that I am so it's like I can't can't really separate myself from that and I don't think I'd want to um if there was a way to do it but yeah I feel like it's like part of part of the journey is learning to accept that i think for me it's definitely made me more appreciative of change and more kind of attuned to change and like the impermanence of life and how you know something doesn't lose its value because it ends you know, it's still had an effect. It still had a time where it was beautiful and at a time where it was enjoyable at a time when it did like mean something or everything to me. 
and you know it can be that and end and we kind of move on to the next chapter of life <laughs> and have you found ways to acknowledge that like or um how have you yeah how have you like i guess acknowledged those losses and the grief and dealt with that i mean i had the benefit of moving countries (laughs) (laughs) so i think that definitely i don't know i feel like it helped that like a change a change of environment is good for Mm. um starting a new life (laughs) and go to the other side of the world (laughs) um (laughs) that's the secret it's like just just go just leave (laughs) um (laughs) never ever go back um but i think yeah it's coming to terms with it i i don't know i've I don't know if I've dealt with it. I'm, I feel like I'm still dealing with it. And I don't know if it's something that ever goes away, but it kind of, it lessens. I I, I feel like it's, it's even though, like, like you said, there's those, like that distinct difference of like the person still out there. It's, and it's weird. Cause I think about it's, I would like parallel it to the grief of home (laughs) because like I'm I grew up in Zimbabwe but the Zimbabwe that I grew up in no longer exists even though the country is still there it's like and and I'm reminded every time I go back um I'm like oh yeah things have definitely changed this is this is not the same place that I have in my memory in my mind even though it physically is still there. And I think that kind of applies to people. And because I mean, we grow, we change. So it's like the, that relationship that I have or had with that person, um, it exists in the past. And I don't know if that's just like me compartmentalizing things, (laughs) but I think it's been helpful to kind of, learn to accept that like um yeah that that no longer exists like even if i was to run into that person Mm. it's like the person i run into isn't the person from my memories there isn't they like they are but they (laughs) but they aren't at the same time um Mm. because we both changed the relationship has changed um and kind of learning to appreciate that little that part in its little pocket in the past for what it is and let it let it be that let it be past let it be yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you I guess you've brought up the grief of like home and you're now living I guess you've been living away from your homeland for a while now uh, has that come up for you in terms of like while well, you've been here has that been an ongoing thing it sounds like you've been back a few times but still obviously the place has changed Mm. and so even going back you probably still have like this you know 
idealistic version of it in your head from when you used to live there that it's not matching up to is that right (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent um and it's i don't know because i mean i left what over 10 years ago maybe Mm. more like 12 years ago well i left a long long time ago um so place the place has definitely changed and i think it's it's something that i've also kind of or i'm learning to come to terms with because i think for a long time i was really attached to that idealized version and i was like okay i i will go back to that and it'll still be there waiting for me and i think there was like one trip like a few years ago where it like it really hit me i was like oh wow this is not the place that i grew up in it's like everything has changed the places like the physical (laughs) shape (laughs) and topography has changed um the people that were there aren't there anymore it's like everything that made it what it was is no longer there and and i'm different as well it's like that idea of like feeling like a foreigner (laughs) in my home country and like (laughs) guys i'm from here (laughs) um and i think it was it was like a revelatory moment i was like you know this isn't the place that it used to be and that's okay and i think for me that's when like there was kind of a mental shift of like rather than having this ideal to go back to it was like okay how can i create an environment where i am that has those things that i loved about the place and has those things that made it feel like home it's like how do i create an environment that feels like home around me rather than home as a place Mm. that i can go to or will go to in the end at some undefined point in time like one day go back Mm. home (laughs) um rather like yeah have you applied that to where you are like being here as well is that what you mean or uh, like creating a sense of home Mm. wherever you are yeah as opposed to sort of yeah relying on being in the place Mm. i'm i'm trying to (laughs) (laughs) can't say i succeed all the time (laughs) um but it is a work in progress i think i'm getting closer i'm definitely as as time passes i get closer to a place <laughs> a place where <laughs> the place is home <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i i think a lot of people either who have migrated or who kind of grew up with a different culture can relate to that because for example like in my case even though i was born in melbourne i very much grew up in a very middle eastern household where Mm. we spoke another language and my dad in particular was very like is very traditional and 
um, I grew up with values from from, mm. from my Syrian culture. So when I went out to like started uni and went out to different settings like work settings, it was like a bit confusing because I was like, oh, this is very different to what I know and to no. my family, to my values that I grew up with, to what I've been told. And then it's like, you know, trying to reconcile those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Never really getting that clean sort of tidy mm. <laughs> version of it. It never is. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I think it's like a really relatable thing, even though for you it's like an actual, you know, a phys more physical place mm. that you've migrated from. But I guess coming back to self and identity, mm. how have you been able to, or have you been able to integrate <laughs> the parts of you that maybe existed in, Zimb in Zimbabwe where you grew up and then the new Tabani who lives in Melbourne? <laughs> um, yes and no. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like it's still a work in progress and I think for me the hardest part is figuring out what what to keep and what to let go of um, mm. and again it comes back to kind of that recovery journey and trying to learn what what parts of me can act in service of me. Cause I have one of those brains that's really good at tricking myself <laughs> and making me think that something I'm doing is good for me <laughs> when it's really not. <laughs> so I think that's been the hardest, longest part is like learning, learning to trust myself again. Mm um and yeah trying to figure out what actually who who i want to be <laughs> and what are the kind of variables that need to be in place for that to come into being mm. yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's a really like poignant question especially after loss as well like mm. you lost someone that was really significant to you mm. you you know part of your identity is like the relationship yeah. you have it relative to them you know mm. as a son or daughter or as a sister you know brother or sister mm. whatever it is and then it's like oh like who am i now <laughs> so back to like yeah talking about recovery and identity i was actually curious to ask um how have you managed to recover the parts of yourself that you want to keep after um, addiction like in what ways have you recovered your, your <laughs> self? myself oh <laughs> big question yeah, <laughs> um i don't know i think it starts a lot with well for me at least it started a lot with understanding 
why <laughs> the why behind me doing a lot of the things that I do and did mm. and it's like when when I can step back and actually see what's why am I doing this what's kind of the payoff <laughs> that I'm getting from doing things and seeing that like understanding the that internal architecture of like decision making it's helped me to make better decisions i don't want to say better make different decisions <laughs> um which yeah has been good for me i guess it's it's interesting because like back to that idea of story and everything just being a story um essentially i could the way i look at it is like i was living a different story and now i have changed the story to one that is more aligned to me um and i guess it's like at its most reduced level it's just being a being a good person you know mm-hmm. just being more present and more empathetic um and you know valuing myself more um valuing life more engaging with the world in a more full sense like allowing myself to feel the full range of everything and kind of dropping a lot of the labels that i learned to attach to things and unlearning them and kind of just like approaching things with a greater sense of openness mm. to kind of just seeing take take it one day at a time as they say um and just take me one day at a time i feel like i don't know if i look back um like when i look back i'm kind of like wow i really took a lot of things seriously that weren't that serious it's like it's fine <laughs> nothing I don't know. Maybe I'm now a lot more nihilistic, but I'm just like nothing really matters. It's it's <laughs> my life. It's chilled. It's not that serious. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been helpful is to kind of de-escalate the red alert, <laughs> high alert status of life where everything is ah, ah really it's not like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not. It's no. yeah, a lot of learning <laughs> learning what is important and like redefining where i want to expend energy. Hmm. I feel like when I'm when I'm listening to you talk it's like the I guess your way of um you know like the relaxed way of kind of looking at things it sort of um also maybe points to like a you know not judging yourself for things. Mm, yeah. You know because I think when you're talking about taking things seriously a lot of times like it's serious because we also um take ourselves seriously and then seriously. judge ourselves mm. based mm. on 
how we respond to things or what's happening and we take it personally that it's yeah. like a reflection on us and we're a bad person and <laughs> yeah <laughs> all that. the spiral goes on <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's always downwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> give me an upward spiral once please <laughs> yeah. yeah they're very rare <laughs> um but yeah is that does that ring true to you like um yeah completely because i feel like it's a lot of it for me was like learned behavior it's like i was i was not i don't think i was born an anxious person mm -hmm. <laughs> i think i i learned to internalize like anxious perspectives and anxious ways of looking at the world and like i wouldn't say i'm cured of anxiety completely um but i'm definitely better equipped to like approach situations like with more a more level-headed approach um and yeah a lot of it for me is kind of not taking things personally and just being like it's not it's not about me yeah. <laughs> um i think that's a a large running theme in in addiction in general is like that perspective of i'm at the center of the universe and everything is happening to me mm. <laughs> and everything is a personal attack um so i must constantly be on high defense and um constantly be in reactive mode yeah so it's been a lot of learning that like no it's, it's not about me <laughs> It's fine <laughs> and that's okay it doesn't have to be about me mm. and life happens sometimes it just... yeah most of the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's awesome uh, so actually I, I want to before we finish i wanted to touch on um this show that's coming up yes and it's i guess related to the some of the things we've been talking about but i think it's mainly around the grief of losing someone you love who's um in your homeland or who's mm. away from you who's away from you and i mean not necessarily physically but even like a a cultural distance or mm. just some yeah a a distance related to being in the diaspora and being you know, coming from the migrant perspective. And I think that's like one of the motivators behind the show is that it's a facet of grief that isn't talked about as much mm. or there aren't many spaces where we can kind of experience that in its fullness, which is what we want to do It's like, we at like at the very fundamental it's it's a space for us to explore the grief that we live with and mm -hmm. are living through um and kind of just look at that and be like what does what does this mean for us what does this mean to us how has this shaped us how has this changed us what is it what can we what can we learn from it where can we grow into it does anyone else feel like this <laughs> <laughs> and and if you do we're here you know it's mm. like yeah i feel like um the show more than anything will be 
like a, a healing experience for both us and anyone who comes to it. Mm. So yeah, it's it's called Haza, and mm. I'm saying it in the Arabic. In the word, Arabic, yeah. The word. Arabic, <laughs> Arabic, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I've now started doing that. <laughs> Whereas in Arabic in English, I guess it would be Asa. Asa, yeah. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> different, but you know. um, yeah. So, and I, I was just wondering, I guess, since working on the show and you know, sort of going deeper into those themes, has there been anything new that's come up for you? Mm. Like listening to other people's stories and also reflecting on your own. I think it's definitely the newest thing for me is collective grief. Um, and collective grief and shared grief because I I feel like personally it's not something that I've done is share grief with people who are not who don't directly feel the same grief if that makes sense um, like when when my father passed it was literally it was grieving with people who knew him and people who had that direct relationship and were like were, our grief is shared in that and that's the linking factor is being that like the relational link um so this has been the first time for me of like sharing grief where the people that we are grieving we all have independent relationships to those people mm. um and the common thing is grief rather than the relationship um which has been really interesting um to be like you know how what are the similarities what where where are we feeling the same things even though you know uh the the way that we've come to grief is different how is the way that we are living in it the same that's been really interesting for me and really beautiful just to have i feel like i've never worked on a show that's just felt so wholesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um because we all just like really hold space for each other and work to creating a space for safety um and a safe for kind of honoring what we are feeling um which I guess is another thing that I'm like learning or experiencing for the first time is like a a sense of reverence in the art that you're making which I don't know it's different from like other art projects that I've done in I don't know it's just I don't know how to like properly articulated but there there is a difference in it's like it's almost blending like a creative project with like a emotional support group which is something I have not done before I don't know I also like writing is usually a very solitary thing for me um so maybe that's an element of it it's like I usually work alone <laughs> um so it's been nice to yeah play with others and like really great artists and mm. 
kind of share in that and make something together that we all really care about. I mean, we have done like um, a large body of the writing separately, but now we're kind of bringing it together um, and like sharing it and seeing how it interweaves. Because I feel like the last like group thing I did was like slam, like a team slam, um, which obviously very different, very very different. Um, so I think that's like my frame of reference. It's like, oh, this is this is really nice. I'll I'll put the um, link to the to the show in the um, in the notes. Yes, please do, please, <laughs> everyone, come to the show. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> it's in October as part yeah. of Melbourne Fringe Festival. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to coming along as well. So, is there, I guess, anything that you would like to that we haven't maybe spoken about as much or that you think you want to say um i don't know i don't think so i think the the next exploration's in the show so <laughs> come see the show <laughs> if it's not here it's it'll be in the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i guess how can people learn if people want to sort of find out more about you and your work, where can mm. they go? Uh, Instagram is probably the best, probably the only <laughs> source, really. <laughs> I don't know. Every like everything I do is sporadically squashed across the entirety of the internet, <laughs> but Instagram is probably the most centralized thing where every some there'll be a link to everything <laughs> yeah. through instagram it's like <laughs> that's that's the entry point go to instagram and then branch out across the web yeah. <laughs> at tabani.chuma okay cool i'll put a link to that as well um and just to finish off is there would you like or happen to have a poem to share or would you like to share a poem I mean, I always, I always have a poem. I always want to share a poem. <laughs> Is there a poem you'd like me to share? Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say either something related to um, something that either around. I don't know. Have you got a poem that relates to both addiction and loss? Give me five seconds to. Consult the archives. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like maybe. Um, but isn't every yeah. addiction poem a poem about loss? <laughs> there is one that I've been. I've been coming back to quite often mm. recently it's in my new book which is out now <laughs> by what starts last <laughs> but it's about it's about music and it's based off the song welcome to the black parade by mm. my chemical romance <laughs> there's the there's the addiction element um but it's also about grief because when I was like 16, um, my sister passed away. 
and then like not not long after that my my sister who's still alive <laughs> she she got the black parade album by michael mokoromath and at the time i'd never listened to like punk rock <laughs> i was never like i wasn't a punk rock <laughs> kid um but that album um because it is like the album as a whole 10 out of 10 album timeless fantastic if you haven't listened to the album go listen to it now um <laughs> but it's it kind of is about grief and about living with grief and dealing with grief but yeah it really it helped me kind of come to terms with grief at because i feel like that was like my first big grief <laughs> that was like really close to me and that album just really helped me feel feel the feels and and also tap into the rage mm. i feel like punk rock is good for that is yeah. <laughs> tapping into the rage of grief anyway the poem is called g note <laughs> because there is an iconic g note that starts the song that every emo kid punk rocker knows <laughs> so when you hear that g note you know <laughs> you know you know like you just know <laughs> it's over <laughs> Anyway, the poem goes like this. <laughs> it's 2006. My only ambition is to own a PlayStation 3. I'm terrified of growing up. Pluto is apparently not a planet anymore. Small things have a way of being forgotten or reclassified. I've never owned a vinyl, but CDs were the vinyl of the time. My older sister says, you gotta listen to this. Allegedly, her taste is better from a place of grace or power or the need to flex. She lends me her boom box. We call them radios. And the Black Parade album by My Chemical Romance. Cue that G note. Cue spine tingle, halted breath, mouth as a gaping vacuum, rapid fire blinking, I just might cry i am not yet a punk rock fan think i have just become a punk rock fan think life was incomplete before this band i did not say stan yet but in hindsight stan that and understand the power of an instrumental procession the howl of raging vocals the divine ecstasy of anthems it's 2008 death decides it is time we get acquainted arrives uninvited, lingers under their new name, grief. I play welcome to the Black Parade on repeat. I cry, I cry, I cry. I stop crying. The song keeps playing. It's 2012. I search for a fitting subculture learn how to ricochet between identities unnoticed due to constant motion in the pause. I question belonging, my hair too nappy for a fringe, my father's refrain, no son of mine will ever wear eyeliner, but my skin keeps me dressed in all black, and what could be more emo than that? It's 2018. What a band they were. 
the disbanded architects of our memories. We talk of how some songs are timeless. I gratuitously use the word eclectic to describe my taste. What I mean to say is I am afraid and chaotic and soulful, rhythmic, psychedelic, enchanted, enchanting, guffawing, a teenage adult at odds with living but so very much alive. It's 2020. She tells me it is a funeral song, agrees it is the sound of intravenous emotion, the tones linger in our marrow. We have always been dying. What a glorious thing it is to carry on. <laughs> Love that piece. So nice. <laughs> I actually, um, read that before this morning <laughs> that poem yeah because i was like I, I i was just like googling what poems you had out there and um i didn't necessarily want to like ask for a specific one but <laughs> yay I, I did read that one and i was like this is really cool yeah i do love it i've been listening to that album um recently because like i said i've been coming back to this poem um mm -hmm. often recently um, and re-listen to the album and it's so good. It's such mm -hmm. a good album. Yeah, I think I need to listen to that album uh, now. <laughs> you got it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. I, I must admit, I will listen to the album. It's a banger. <laughs> okay. Um, so thanks so much, Giovanni, for this conversation. I think, yeah. yeah, we covered quite a few topics, but sort of circled back in the end. <laughs> Oh, That's yeah. it. It's, I love it. We love a, a non-linear journey. Yeah. <laughs> Just like life. Just, Just like, like life. Grief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like everything. Um, yeah, thank yeah, you for having so me. Much. It's been lovely. If you found this conversation valuable, then it would be great if you could leave a review or share it with a friend so that more people can find this podcast. Thanks for listening.